Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back. Oh, I won't tell you the joke I just told Julie. <laughs> Don't she'll, do it. She'll give Don't me the stink it. eye. All right. So we are talking about what our favorite topic is. Of, I think it's become one of our favorite topics, certainly in the last two years. Well, and it better become one of yours, listeners, because more than 30% of homes available are, you guessed it, new construction. So today and tomorrow... We're discussing all things new construction. It is an amazing source of business for real estate agents, for brokers. Again, a third of the market of what is available. All of you guys are whining and complaining nonstop. There's not enough inventory, not enough inventory. Well, that is true if you're not looking at new construction. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to tell you about new construction. We're going to give the very basics because we always like to start at the very basics. Even those of you, Tim and Julie, I've been in the business for 14 years. Well, guess what? In the last 15 years, you haven't had to learn about new construction because you've been selling in one kind of market. It is a really, I think, a good idea for everyone just to allow themselves the, uh, you know, frankly, the opportunity to learn and start out at ground zero. Julie and I spend, mostly Julie, a lot of time on these notes every single day. We go through, research all these things. We absolutely positively will check all of our preconceived notions about just about everything because things change. Things change not just year to year or decade to decade, but nowadays they're changing almost from week to week. Mm -hmm. So when we're giving you guys this information, it's the, frankly, it's the best of breed information. Every show is about a half hour, but the amount of time that goes into uh, creating the notes for every show can be hours. And some of these things, Julie and I, the concepts we work on sometimes for months, uh, now, how do you get these notes from today's show and every other show? Scroll down. They're below if you're on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. I mean, where I think, Julie, now we're on 50 different platforms. We're on Google. Yeah. We're on uh, Amazon Prime Music. <laughs> we're just everywhere. Yeah, so you can scroll down. You can get our notes and you can read right along. And we suggest you use these notes for training. First of all, yourself, maybe your team, maybe the agents in your brokerage, but also a lot of times a lot of our notes will be perfect for you to use when doing social media stuff. And as always, when you are there, you're going to clearly see an opportunity for you to roll in Premier Coaching. Enrolling in Premier Coaching is free. So you love this podcast. We know you do. How do I know you do? Because over 300,000 of uh, agents download this podcast every single month. That doesn't include about another 60,000 that uh, just stream it. They don't download it. And guess what? About another at least, I don't even know how many I'd have to check. It's probably at least another 250 to 300,000 that watch us over on YouTube. That's every single month. So this is by far the number one listened to daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States. So we're doing more right than wrong, I would say. Now, if you love this podcast, which I know you do, you will not believe the value you get in Premier Coaching. If you are ready to become truly successful in your real estate business because of this market, you're going to want to join our Premier Coaching community, and we made it very easy for you. The link is below. Just scroll down, click the link, or if you'd prefer, you can just go to premiercoaching.com, or there's a the third option. You can just text the word Premier to 47372, text the word Premier to 47372, and we'll text you back a link. Just remember when texting message and data rates may apply. All right, so first we're going to discuss the different types of new construction that you should know about. Next, we'll talk about why it's such an amazing opportunity for real estate agents to embrace. 
And then finally, on tomorrow's show, we'll look at seven different ways that you can boost your income this year working with new builds. So that's the kind of the outline, right? All right, part one is understanding new construction. We're gonna go through this relatively quickly because you can access the notes yourself. What is new construction? We always start with the basic and go to advanced. Well, what is this new construction? Number one, traditional new construction, that's single family home neighborhoods. Those can be a tiny cul-de-sac of 10 homes, or they could be a bigger, you know, we used to sell in, we would joke, Oak Creek phase 47, where it was like thousands of homes, maybe by one or two different builders, but traditional new construction, single family home neighborhoods. Okay, advanced coaching, very rarely are any of the homes for sale, let alone the spec homes where the builders are building these homes and anticipating a buyer purchasing them. In other words, home almost done, no buyer for home are in the MLS. These are all going to be the types of uh, properties. 30% of all the market is new construction. I don't know what percent of those are in the MLS, but I'm going to guess it's single digits, which means there's available inventory all around you. It might be mm -hmm. outside of your you know, immediate community. It might be 15 minutes further out than maybe your buyers are hoping to look, but sitting there is a brand new home that they can get into that checks all the boxes. That's right. So number two, new townhomes, doubles, zero lot line homes, and patio homes or, uh, those are all kind of the same flavor where, you know, it's not detached, but depending on where you are, you know, in Florida, they might call it a zero lot line where, you know, we had patio homes. It's all basically the same thing. And then of course, townhomes. Then we have number three, condos, which could be low, medium, and high rise buildings. We have number four, urban and suburban infill or teardowns or rehab properties. That counts as new construction. And number five, land acquisition, lot sales, and development. So those are your five basic categories of where you might find new construction. And you, I'm, I'm glad that you pointed that out at the top of our podcast here is that there are some builders that do put things in the MLS, but it is absolutely not anywhere. I would say it's 10 to 20% tops. You can go to newhomesource.com. You can Google new construction in Columbus, Ohio. You're going to find things like lenarhomes.com. You know, the builders have their own websites. There's lots of different ways, but don't just rely on your MLS. Though this is not really a great source now, I would give maybe a, uh, an, an additional a 0.6 of being people that are flipping houses. You said yes. rehab properties. Yeah. I guess maybe Fix that falls flips. in that same category, fixer flips. And you can find, you if you, uh, for example, if you were to, and maybe we talk about this tomorrow, mm -hmm. go to the investor meetups, go to the people that there's different private Facebook groups or WhatsApp, group, WhatsApp groups where yep. people will find a whole a house that's wholesale and offer it to some other investors for maybe $10,000 over whatever they could buy it for kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of times those properties then will become great properties for you to list, especially if you associate a lot. We have um, in Boise, Idaho, uh, what's it? Jonna, Jonna Weber. Weber. Right. So Jonna does a lot. She's one of the top agents in the country, let alone Boise, Idaho. And she mm -hmm. does a lot with investors. That's mm -hmm. one of her favorite niches. Yeah. And she does fantastic with it. Mm -hmm. So we should maybe have her on this podcast. That's a great well. idea. And your interview series that we're going to do. Yep. Okay. So why should you take new construction seriously as a source of business? Well, remember we told you it's 30% of what's out there. That's one reason. But our official first point on that is this is a great source to find inventory for your buyers that's not in the MLS. Note, many resale buyers get frustrated resale buyers get frustrated thinking about the cost of repairs of an older home. This is a solution that overcomes that objection. I remember when we sold a lot of new construction, I used to love those closings because the inspections were a breeze. If they even did an inspection, which we do recommend that you still do that, but you're not going to come up with this grocery list of the furnace needs replaced and the roof has missing stuff. 
you know, you don't have those nightmares with new construction. And remember, a new construction home also is going to have to pass the building code inspector showing up. Yep. So he kind of building acts permits. or she kind of acts, mm-hmm. right, as your built, as your home, uh, you know, inspector as well. Also, a little known fact, most new construction comes with at least a 10-year warranty. So you get that too. All right, number two, new construction is a major part of nearly all markets. Not knowing new construction is a handicap to your career. So don't claim it's not there if you haven't actually researched it. I just gave you, Tim just gave you, a bunch of uh, sources. New construction is 30% of available inventory, and it's actually going up. The builder sentiment, uh, those statistics are going up every time they report. Builders are thrilled that there's low inventory because they're filling in the gaps. They literally can't build fast enough. Okay, number three, one relationship, when we say that it's with the builder, the developer, the sales manager, can lead to many multiple transactions and keep you in momentum for months, if not years. Let's vamp on this. And I want to also have you, you and I talked about um, this morning, we talked about the fact that agents don't realize how much more flexibility lenders have with the ability to buy down mortgages. We're going to need to- You mean builders. Builders, yes, sorry, yeah. Uh, But with regards to the point you just made, is the here's the the concept. You have in your community, I'll give you guys a real life example. There was a new construction um, home rep. I don't remember her name off the top of my head. Emily, yes. (laughs) Emily Abair. Yeah. That was her name. And she was, I bet you that gal earned over a million, and this was back in the 90s and early 2000s. I bet she earned over a million dollars a year selling new so construction too. for MI Homes. Well, it turned out the number one agent in the, like, uh, the number one agent in part of the um, city where Julie and I sold real estate was a lady named uh, Delina Siamako. She still sells real estate there, an amazing agent. So Delina, if you're listening, we still admire your business. So Delina would get a lot of referrals from Emily. So how does that all work and how can you do the same thing? It's very mm-hmm. simple. Emily would have folks that would walk into her new construction models, and Emily would then um, put the people in contract on something. But the contract would be contingent on the sale of their existing property. That is where their down payment was going to come from. Emily did not want to jink around with uh, having those people go and contract and then not close on the new construction. So she would send that referral to Delina, and Delina was great at getting those properties sold for her. The concept here is one new construction build rep was able to create potentially hundreds of transactions mm-hmm. for Delina over the years. You guys can do the exact same thing. And if you're blessed in a market, like when Julie and I lived in Austin, and it's way in most of the country, you'll see that new build rep models, or you'll have like five or six of them in a row, right? So the builders will go into this big, you know, 100 home subdivision or even more, and there'll be five different builders or whatever it is. And each of them are going to have a, you know, a, a, a spec home there that they're going to want to work out of and show all the fancy things that they can do. So every single one of those relationships represents an opportunity for you to get a steady stream of very motivated sellers, the best kind of sellers you possibly can have. Because in many cases, they have to sell their home before their new home is ready because they need the money to purchase the next one. Now, I want to also drill down. Mm-hmm. Lenders in this marketplace will have for a years to come. Is it one of your points? Okay, I won't, I won't step okay. on it. It's we'll, okay. We'll reserve it. Uh, so, yes, one relationship with those new build reps like Emily. So, Coach Rochelle, if you guys are in our premier coaching, you will have heard – Coach Rochelle talk about, she has, I think she has four different relationships like the Emily relationship. Mm -hmm. So that is a steady flow of listing referrals. Well, she has a great long-term friend uh, who- uh, Anita. Anita, who works with Epcon. And she's worked with Epcon, which is a great- years. It's essentially a downsizer condo project. 
and they're pinwheel condos. And yeah, and so guess who gets all of her listing referrals? <laughs> I mean, that's a great example of one relationship, multiple referrals. Well, that's a beautiful thing. Okay, number four, why do you care about new construction? Well, end of the frustration of being in competitive offer situations with your buyers trying to buy resale homes. New construction offers them freedom of choice, time to move, and no rehab costs. And this last point, or this next point, number five, is really critically important. I think it's one of the biggest uh, reasons why new construction, new construction almost always hands resale its butt because of the fact that, you know, the houses are new and won't need a bunch of work. So you buy a resale house nowadays, let's be honest, most of the sellers have not put a lot of effort into putting the homes for sale no. because they know in most of the country it's a hot seller's market. Um, you know, so with new construction, it's going to be just the opposite. Add to this the fact that the builders are able to offer the buyers unbelievably good finance rates. Yes, which is very interesting. And we're going to drill down on this even more Friday or Thursday. I think we're doing a podcast about different types of financing. But how does this work, right? Why do the builders have such fluidity versus a standard resale seller? Okay. So builders typically will make 10 to 15% profit on a new construction home. Now, in the previous market, that had gone all the way up over 30% profitability on, because you know they were doing it at volume and it was a hot market and prices were going up. So they were you know realizing 30 plus percent. So if they quote only have to accept 10% now and they can throw that other 20% at subsidizing mortgage loans, they're going to do that. They have other ways they do it too. I'll get back to mortgages in a second. So builders are uh, building a little bit smaller house. They're changing the amenities sometimes. This does not mean that you're getting a worse product. It's actually getting kind of interesting. There's a lot of like mid-century modernists coming back. Why? Because it's essentially a split-level house that gives you an interesting floor plan, but a smaller footprint and you can have a pretty cool 1,300 to 1,500 square foot house. You and I were talking about this yesterday. Yes, Julie and I talk about this all the time because we are housing nerds. But we're, <laughs> you were, you were uh, guessing that, new, uh, that split levels, when you see split levels, it's almost an indication there's something going on in the economy and mortgage yeah, financing. Same reason and, today. And 100% yeah. that's true. So if you, if you have split levels, like I know there's lots of split levels all over the country. But basically, for those of you who don't have split levels, what it is is you walk in the front you walk in the front door, and then all of a sudden there's a foyer, and you're having to decide if you're going to go down a flight of stairs or up a flight of stairs. Yeah. That's basically a split level. But they're less expensive to build. Why? Because the split level down is essentially in a what would have been effectively in a basement. And building in a lower level, like every um, when you're doing new construction. I'm going to make up the numbers because I don't really know what they are nowadays, but the first like split level, the subterranean level to dig that out and then to put in probably cinder block walls and to finish it out and put in full size windows and the whole thing, that's going to cost usually half the price of a second level that's going to be framed, that's going to be above, uh, above grade and the whole thing. So it's actually cheaper to build, let's say, for example, a basement or the first level of a split level than it is the second level. And I believe the third level in a house is actually cheaper than the middle level. So all it's these economies things of scale, essentially, it's a smaller footprint. Builders have this kind of fluidity. You know, if you are a resale seller, you can't jimmy with all of these different things the way that the builder can. Well, to your point, yeah. though, it's a smaller footprint. So they mm -hmm. can put in a split level. They can have sometimes more square footage. Yep. And in order to, for the, the square footage to count, because basement square mm -hmm. footage with a small window doesn't mm -hmm. count. Yep. But a larger window, full egress, you can get out during a fire or an emergency or even dig out and put in doors. Boom, that's countable square footage. Yeah, but don't you think it's interesting? If you think about the older split levels and by levels, 
I mean, we had that, remember our fa- crazy five-level condo? Yeah. Um, that was built in the early 70s. It was built in 1970. In 1970. Okay, so what was happening in the 70s? Well, we had some recession and inflation and all the rest. There were a lot of those um, going into even the early 80s. Some of what we sold that was, remember, if people couldn't afford regular Worthington, oh. we'd take them to West Worthington where it was full of bi-level split levels for less money. But it is fascinating. People think that housing trends and styles of homes follow like some sort of fashion. No, it really does trend. It does follow really at the, whatever's going on in the economy more than it does anything else. Well, and you can tell by what the builders are building. So um, I could talk endlessly about that, but uh, let's get back to how can buyers often get more house for the same payment? And, l- and listeners, she's not lying. She can talk endlessly about that. Endlessly. <laughs> yes, right. So how can you get, let's say that you are a typical um, you know, the average sale price in the country is about 400000 and you're looking at resales. But how is it that that $400,000 resale buyer can actually have the same payment on, say, up to maybe four seventy-five or 500000 It's because the builders are subsidizing the loans. They're doing buy-downs. They're doing adjustable rates. They're doing all kinds of things to get the interest rate lower. Typically, that can be something like, uh, you know, lower for the first year, second year, and third year, then it's going to adjust and settle in for the fourth year. The builders are, you know, they're paying the lender that difference, right? That, that's important. So what's yeah. happening is they're taking actual, so the bur- the borrowers say spending $500,000 in the house. The builder's going to take, say, twenty five. I don't know, you know, $25,000, let us just say. Sure. And they're then going to give that money to the lender to buy down the interest rate. And in most cases, I think you can buy down rates by 2.5%, something like that. Usually up to 3%. Depends on the situation. I think you can sometimes even go more. Uh, but the point is that that well, gets l- the buyer qualified on a lower interest rate. So that means if your published rate is 7% and the bar and the builder buys down the borrower's rate to, by three points, that means their now, new rate is going to be obviously 4%. 4% for the first year, 5% for the second year, 6% for the third year, and then they locks in after that. Depending. Or it might be adjustable after that. There's different right. types of programs. But the point is they're doing that to qualify the buyer for more house with less payment. But it's not always a... Uh, adjustable like what she just said sometimes it's a 525 where it'll be a lower rate for the first five years and then the 25 years after that right. it's going to be you know an adjustable rate or it could be a 723 all those different they types even do of 10 years now which is kind of cool but here's the thing that's different that people don't yeah i know it is with that people don't quite understand and by the way 30-year fixed rate mortgages i don't know if you guys list uh, you know the listeners know this but the United States is the only country in the world, I believe this is true, maybe so. Canada, Canada, that has 30-year fixed rate mortgages. Now, I don't think Canada has 30-year fixed rate. I think they have 30-year, but they're not fixed rate. So you can actually get a 30-year fixed rate mortgage in the United States, which is an incredible blessing. Why? Because even if you have to lock in a rate at 7%, oh, 7%, it's terrible. Well, it's terrible compared to 3.5%. I'll agree with you there. But if the inflation rate oh, year over year over year which is what we're seeing now, a long-term uh, cycle of inflation being 5 6 7% on real estate, your house is going to inflate in value or appreciate. And that uh, inflation or the inflation or the appreciation in the property is going to outpace the cost of the loan. That is still making mortgages, uh, frankly, I think very uh, affordable, dare I say well, that. it's a great investment. And people say like, well, you know, people can't purchase homes and because the, you know, this, that, and the other. I realize that. That's the reason you guys need to get very good at understanding why new construction and what we talked about yesterday with the different types of first responder loans, that's the reason you need to become a master at this stuff. 
because there is going to be a whole generation of borrowers and buyers that are going to be essentially on the sidelines renting. That has happened back in the 70s, back in the 80s. You'll have people that normally would have been purchasing homes at 31, 32, 33 or younger. And now they're not purchasing, going to be putting off the purchase of their first home until they're in their 40s. They don't have to if you are going to be able to help them with the different types of mortgage products that the average Joe uh, lender or lazy a lazy Larry, the lender is not going to necessarily know about. Well, that's true. And even knowing about different types of new construction products, I've had several coaching clients recently who were getting frustrated. They couldn't find something in that middle price range, like the 450 to 650 in most markets. I'm thinking about like Seattle, for example, where the resales were really not that great. If we're being honest, they needed a lot of work. They were older. It's kind of like, yuck, I'd rather stay renting. Well, what did they do? Smart agents we coach, right? They actually went a little bit down market and they found condos and townhomes because when you do the math, even though that person really wanted a single family home, but for the money, they didn't really like what was out there. Buying a townhome that they can either keep as a future rental or at least build some equity and move two or three years from now when they like the inventory that's out there, maybe they're in a higher price range then, it's still a wise move. So just knowing about new construction means you're going to do more transactions. There's every reason to believe that purchasing a home now, even with interest rates where they are, uh, that will work out over time to be the best financial decision that most people will ever make. Because you're always going to have a housing expense. Do you think, dear listeners, that rental prices are going to decrease or increase? I'm going to help you understand exactly what's going to happen. You're going to see rental uh, prices, especially on single families and maybe smaller multifamilies, those are going to go up substantially because of all the things that are happening in the economy. That is what's going to happen. When you hear people talking about the crash of multifamily, they're not talking about decreased demand. They're talking about a lot of the owners, the landlords, the investors of those properties did you know five-year, seven-year financing on that at low rates through mostly the FHA. And those people are going to have uh, possibly a harder time refinancing those loans. So they're making as much money. That has nothing to do with the demand for the actual uh, residential units, which leads me and Julie to believe that there's not really going to be any sort of precipitous crash in the actual value of multifamily because there is uh, what you look for is a decrease in demand. There's no decrease in demand. So it'll work itself out. That's right. Uh, so last but not least, we're talking about reasons to love new construction. It's actually easier to prospect. We're going to talk more about how to do that with the builders tomorrow than many other spokes because builders actually have the commission baked into their pricing. Yeah. And so, you know, that's a pretty easy ask. So we'll talk about the seven different ways that you can really put rocket boosters on your income. And oh, we should tell this, the listeners this too. Yeah. Especially the larger builders. If a borrower or buyer walks in and says, I'm not working with a realtor, will you just re, you know, reduce the price by 3%? The answer is nope. So in other words, the buyer has no incentive not to work with a buyer's agent with working with new construction. How do you, this is kind of, this is fascinating, I mm -hmm. think. How do you make it so that you get commission uh, credit for a sale of a new construction property? How do you make it so, do you talk about this tomorrow? Uh, I don't know. We, we, we should do it today. Okay. So when you have, let's say your community has five, six, 10, if you're blessed, maybe even more new construction developments of differing sizes. You need to call or pop by, ideally, every single one, get to know the build rep or get to know the builder, ask how you register, that's the industry term, your buyer with yep. that um, you know, that builder. Which means if your buyer meanders into that new build rep, uh, that new build rep's model, w without you, you're, you're still going to get paid the commission if that person decides to move forward. 
Now, I know a lot of you Even if they write it with a new construction rep. Even if they write it with a new construction rep, even if they cross the threshold with you not being present, the build rep, the builder will honor that agreement they had because you're the one that sent them over there. So what does that mean? It means for every borrower that you have, every buyer that you have, after you've gotten together your whole like breakdown of all the new construction that's not in the MLS most likely, you need to start giving them the list of all the new construction with all the different... uh, points of contact for every one of those new build, you know, the new build reps, the models, their cell phone numbers, all the rest of it. And then you don't have to live in fear of losing out on that sale. And then just give that to your borrower and say, here's a great way for you to spend the next three Saturdays. (laughs) And and chances are they're going to find something. I, all of you who've been in the business for any amount of time will have experienced receiving a commission check (laughs) that you do not know why you received it. And then you'll pick through the paperwork, you'll look through your notes, you'll check your old texts and emails, and then you will remember that you met with Bob and Betty, maybe you just had a call with them, maybe you just met them once at Starbucks, showed them a few resale homes, you aligned them with the new build reps, they went and bought one of the new build rep homes, they then closed on it, you got paid, your total involvement was maybe that hour with them originally, and here comes a ten dollars or $12,000 commission it's check. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> it's a it beautiful really thing. is. That reminds me, uh, shout out to Jennifer Turner in Salina, Texas. She, I, I have, haven't heard from her in a little while. I think she was working out this special deal. She, even though her name doesn't sound like she's completely bilingual in Spanish, Jennifer Turner, she is. She worked out a deal with a builder because she can translate into Spanish and help them do deals that they normally would have lost because in her market, there's a lot of Spanish first speakers that maybe aren't comfortable doing a contract in Spanish. She's worked with a new construction build rep where she serves as translator and then is added to the contract. Isn't that interesting? LA, you might want to be doing that with Chinese Miami. folks. If you're exactly Miami, you might want to do it with people that speak Portuguese from Brazil or obviously Spanish. There's so many different opportunities. Talk for these about to- providing service and being of value. I mean, for the buyer as well as for the new build rep, and right? Connect is, the dots. This is the business seriously fun too. I know I love it too. Well it's you walk into a new construction you know and there's no like usually strange smells or there's no excuses <laughs> or there's no you know everything has really been every single room looks beautiful the borrower your buyers when they walk through they're just going to be like it the product will sell itself especially the, the big builders they are yeah. so masterful at selling new construction. Well yes I mean you walk in it's decorated beautifully of course you know the models aren't going to be the stripped down version they're going to have all the bells and whistles it's you know it's really hard to unsee new construction, especially if you are a buyer that's been frustrated by the resale stuff or you can't even find any resale to look at. New construction's a great solution. Julie and I coached, he's no longer in real estate, he retired, someone who used to be an executive at Corcoran Sunshine. It might be Sunshine Corcoran, I forget which one it is. I think it's Corcoran Sunshine. And what they would do is mostly in New York, and I think they also were doing this in Dallas too. But they would go and meet with these new construction uh, uh, apartments or condos, you know, these big, huge towers of residential things. And the builder developer wanted absolutely nothing to do with retailing any aspect of the building. They just wanted to delegate all of it. And so what uh, Corcoran Sunshine would do, and there's other companies that do this as well, is they would go with their own money and they would build out the the model. They would hire full-time sales reps. They would do all this extra work. Some of you listening to us now, you might want to look at that as a career path if that's viable in your marketplace. 
A lot of you listening now used to do new construction like that, so you know what I'm talking about. Open mm-hmm. your mind to all things new construction. Listen to what Julie told you. 30% in some markets more of mm-hmm. all home sales are new construction. And that is not a six-month or 12-month trend. That is going to be the way it is for at least the next, we're guessing, 10 years at least. So if you wanted to discover a niche for yourself, here's what we would prescribe to you. If your market has it available, upper end, luxury, new construction, because then you're going to get really nice uh, commissions on the buy side. And basically 100% of the buyers buying those more expensive homes are going to be ha- are going to have homes for uh, to sell. You guys get it? Think big and act yes. bigger. One last story, because you just sparked my memory of this. <laughs> Do you remember when we listed, I think there were like 38 of them or something, the um, Eastland Court, the, the yeah. townhomes. Okay, so this was, I, I happened across and expired one day, okay? And here's what it looked like in the MLS. It was a picture of dirt and a two by four, okay? And it was in 43085, which historically had very little, if not zero new construction. Do you remember who the listing agent was? Don't say her name out loud because she's passed away, okay? She was the number one agent, not just listing agent, and all of 43085. Yes. And she had been for like- Forever. For 30 years. Yes, like since before we were born at the time, I think. Ma- well, basically, like ma- major complacency, basically. Yes, okay, and and so first of all, I remember thinking, where in the world even is this? Because it was in one of our favorite zip codes. We grew up there, we went to school Wasn't there. Wasn't this in our first year? I think it was. Or first or second first year? First or second year. I think it was our second year. But we knew enough to hunt expireds, right? Yeah. So I was thinking, I can't even put that street on the map, and yet it's in the zip code that we knew better than any other zip code, right? So that was one thing. We went to go find it. And it was just this, it was like a four acre parcel that had been part of a kind of semi-industrial mixed use residential off of a semi-busy road, but it was back in the woods. It was fine. Okay. So that's interesting. The picture in the MLS was a two by four and a dirt patch. And yet when we drove back there to see what's going on with this expired, they were like 70% built. So she had never updated the picture in the MLS. And if you're seeing that, you're a buyer's agent. Even if you think to look there, you're not even going to think to show it based and, on the picture. And they expired two or three times too. That yes. wasn't the first time. And we got the listings and guess what we got as a result of that? All of them sold and we ended up getting a lot of resales for the people that were selling, uh, you know, were ending up buying those thing. condos. For oh. like three years. Yeah. This, this was great. So, and I remember partially because like us, not many agents knew that this place existed. So we also were on both sides of almost all of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you said the resale. So we had a lot of people downsizing in those. So the resale that we got was actually more expensive than those expired new construction that we listed. With those condos, we weren't, we had to sell those to the bar to the buyers, even the buyers working with the other with the other agents, right? Yes. We couldn't expect the buyers' agents in our community to even know where the heck it was. No. I mean, we were basically born and raised in 43085. Yeah. I mean, we met in high school. So yeah, I mean we Good we call. had to look it, for Isn't our 32nd wedding anniversary in a yes, couple days? it is. <laughs> I know. Uh, anyway, so we were born and raised in this community. We didn't know where it was. We didn't know how Nobody to get there. Nobody else knew it No was. one else. So we had to take the stance of we we're going to sell these directly to the end users, and that's what caused it. But, Julie, that's not the only – we have so many examples. There was mm-hmm. – um, <laughs> well, since we have time, we'll tell them this story. You received a voicemail from somebody. It was when we lived in New Albany Country Club yep. and the, the guy had a very strong accent, like a Southern draw, sort of a you know, West Virginia type accent. And you told me that, you know, you, I got some dirt, you want some dirt. You, yeah, that was. this is a lesson in 
answer your phone in the first place, or if somebody goes to the voicemail, don't delete them until you actually know what you're thinking of. Because I remember thinking this was this is a kind of a crazy message. This is so and so. I got some fill dirt, and would do you want me to bring it over around the corner and put it on your lot? We had another. Uh, builder listing two. around the corner too. And they were like walk out lower levels on a raised lot so that maybe we would want the dirt, right? Well, that was his thinking. But that we was th- his thinking. We thought he was a loon, but we called him back anyway. <laughs> and it turns out it was a builder or a, somebody working for the builder who well, had three new construction houses going up around the corner. It was Matt Truco, the builder. Yes. Okay. Matt had just, you don't want me to say his name. Yeah, it was Matt Truco, okay. the builder. So here's what happened. We went out there and we, uh, and yes, actually one, the other builder wanted the dirt. So we solved Matt's problem. But then Matt had some other problems that he didn't know he had. The other problems that he didn't know he had was he was sitting on a spec in our community that was going to be something like $1.3 or $1.4 million. And the listing agent wasn't even doing anything to try to get the property sold. And behind that property, he had another lot that he just closed on for like, you know, 250 grand, which would have meant another million dollar plus house. So we kind of showed Matt what we would do to get the property sold, of which he would say, I didn't know. He was blown away by the depth and breadth of what we were doing in that community to get property sold. Uh, Then guess what happened? He listed properties with us on the other end of town that were similarly mismarketed, let's say, misrepresented by other complacent listing agents. Yep. Totally different product, though. And then it was maybe three years into that relationship, he ends up building a 73-unit condo development that he also lists with us in another area of town. One relationship, multiple opportunities. Hundreds. Hundreds of opportunities. It was really amazing. And that was one of our best springs ever when we were listing his, uh, especially those big three uh, spec homes over a million. Oh, well, it's because- Oh, it's super fun. Well, it's because what would we get? We got the listings from it. Buyers would call. They were moving into New Albany. And we get, you know, those buyers maybe didn't want to buy the new construction. They'd buy something else. It was amazing. But this all comes from knowing how to talk with builders, work with builders. This all under, this all comes from, like, guys, you should, I don't, I'm not going to send you down this rabbit hole, but it is fascinating. You're going to have to know builder speak. And so there's different books and educational series you can get. Just study this online. Go to Amazon and get a book. But there's phases of building a, a home in particular. I don't, I mean, I read these, I read like three books. It was forever ago, but the gist of it is, is you want to understand what the different phases are. Obviously the first one's going to be, you know, the foundation and then the grading and then the electrical and the plumbing. I promise you people right now are listening to me and they're going crazy wanting to type, no, you got that all wrong. I know I got it all wrong. You don't need to correct me. Go and study all this yourself. That way when you're out talking with builders, you can talk about, you know, what does an elevation mean? Do you guys know what an elevation means? Adjust what the house looks like from the front. You want to know about the different, you know, building codes and restrictions and minimum standards and architectural review committees, all these types of things. That's what you need to know if you're going to work the upper end custom home builder who's going to sell maybe five or six houses or three or four houses per year. But in the big production builders where most of you are going to be working, it's all the uh, coaching and training that Julie and I gave you for the last 30 minutes. And, and you know, you do pick up a lot by bringing, and again, you have to know about new construction. Even if you're just learning to bring your buyers to new construction, instead of just dropping them off and meeting them at closing... Go to some of those meetings. Learn how a house is actually built. What is the order of things? Why is it being built that way? Why is this floor plan more efficient than that floor plan? Why is it on the lot the way it sits on the lot? 
How does it work with, you know, burying utilities? You can learn so much by actually paying attention when one of your buyers is actually building. It's also important that you understand that many of these relationships that Julie and I were getting when we were selling real estate are similar relationships you guys can get now. We weren't getting these relationships after having been in the business forever. I mean, no. Julie and I looked like we were in our we were teenagers and we were getting these relationships. Why is it that people ultimately listed with us? Because we did our homework, we had energy and enthusiasm, and we are furiously fast with our lead follow-up. Usually those things are going to be enough of a reason for someone mm -hmm. who want to do business with you because they're going to counterbalance with their previous experience with real estate agents. Julie and I can literally talk for years about all the examples, not just with us. I mean, frankly, we have maybe 10 good stories like that. But yeah. of our coaching clients, we have hundreds and hundreds of coaching client stories where furiously fast lead follow-up, having energy and enthusiasm overcomes the biggest skills deficit you can possibly imagine. That's the reason this is such a beautiful business. Because you don't have to have the brain, the, the skills of a brain surgeon, or you know, know how to fly an F-15, you know, fighter jet. You actually just can have energy and enthusiasm, have furiously fast lead follow-up, and you can learn along the way, earn while you learn. This is a beautiful business. Have that mindset, make it your own because of this market. That's right. So no excuses. Tomorrow is part two of this podcast where we're going to give you seven specific ways. We're going to start with the easiest and go to the most complex will be number seven about how to actually turn this into income for yourself. Back to you. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.